This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make wind turbine lightning protection easy. If you're a wind farm operator, stop settling for damaged turbine blades and constant downtime. Get your uptime back with our strike tape lightning protection system. Learn more in today's show notes or visit weatherguardwind.com slash strike tape. Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall. I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. Alan, how are you doing today? Hey, Dan, I'm doing well. Boy, it's been crazy up here in Massachusetts. Uh, Earlier today, we had, it wasn't rain, it wasn't snow. I've never seen it before. It's like maybe like a quarter inch wide snowballs. It wasn't hail, but it was light. Uh, it was just the weirdest thing. We've had the weirdest weather. I don't know if it's part of this coronavirus thing. It's making the atmosphere. You're saying go it's crazy. it's like raining coronavirus like snow meatballs or or what? It's like yeah, it's like raining meatballs, but little white meatballs. It's kind of what it looked like. So we're outside. We're starting getting pelted by these snowballs from the sky, and it was the most bizarre. thing. And I've seen it a long time. I've been in hailstorms. I've been in big hailstorms. I've been in sleet. You name it. But that was the first time I've been in like a snowball storm. So <laughs> what were these like more? They seem like you sent me a quick clip of it, but it seemed like they were falling faster. I mean, were they icy? Like, did you catch any in your hand? No. Like what, what What was the consistency no, they, here? They were soft and fluffy. Weird. Like a like a little meat, like a little soft. So they're just meatball. big. They're just big snowflakes then. Yeah. Well, no, size, they didn't look like a snowflake. Of, no. You know, a snowflake has those crystalline edges, so it has it has this definitive shape, right? So it looks like it's, it looks like a snowflake, but this has been balled up, so it kind looked like a, a, hmm. yeah, well, it looked like a snowflake that had kind of melted with other snowflakes, but ne- didn't get hard like hail does <laughs> when you're in a hailstorm like in Kansas. Those hmm. hailstorms could be quarter inch, half inch, one inch, or larger diameter. Uh, this is these are much smaller and fluffy. Hmm. <laughs> Well, speaking of hail, when you were living in Wichita, did you ever have your car get just like destroyed by hail, just damaged by well, it? You, well, so pepper your car, right? Just covered in like oh. little, little dents that just like ruin it. Not little dents, big dents. Big dents. They had big hail. Yeah, uh, breaking windshield kind of hailstorms yeah. in Kansas. And they've when we knew hailstorms were coming, we would everybody would scramble and get the heck out of work or wherever we were and get the cars inside. Uh, I've I've seen cars nearly destroyed i mean it's sort of a badge of honor a little bit so people would keep the car sometimes uh the guys where i used to work used to keep their beat up trucks like that uh to show all the the storms that have been through yeah it it, it's crazy how big the hailstones can get there because of the way the thunderstorms are huge and it just recycles the ice up and down up and down it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the storm then eventually falls out of the sky and hits your car oh yeah it's crazy well you you don't have that kind of weird little maryland did you you're not like that. Uh, yeah, I've yeah, seen hurricanes. hail a handful of times in my life. I think okay. more in Maryland than I did in uh, in in Illinois. My decade in Illinois, but so I've really? seen hail a couple of times, but it's been very few and far between. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't think of all your road travels uh, playing baseball. If you ever come across some, did you play in the Midwest at all? You ever get? In, you had to be playing in the Midwest at some point. Yeah, right? I like, played. I played the majority. Well, and I guess not the majority, but I played. Three of my six years in uh, in the Midwest, yeah. So, but I don't yeah. know that we ever. I mean, hailstorms typically come what time of year? It's like transition time, right? Like May because it gets, it gets it comes down 
and then it gets pushed back up and then it like melts and then it comes back down yep. and that's like the cycle yep. of hail right until it's right. too heavy and then it breaks through keeps falling yeah, it breaks through yeah yeah it kind of mm. gets outside the, the the cyclone that's inside that cloud yeah yeah although yep. the cr- the craziest atmospheric thing i ever witnessed which you like the, obviously this has to happen somewhere but you know like in in like uh the peanuts comics where it's just raining on one person right like the storm cloud <laughs> just over charlie brown yeah. i was in a i was in a baseball game i think i was 13 or 14 i was playing right and i was playing left field and like we knew it was probably gonna rain that day but we were like we were like going oh, we got like three or four innings in or something yeah. and i turn around and it's just absolutely pouring like thunderstorm 20 feet behind me like a literal <laughs> sheet wall of rain and i was just like Run. Whoa, whoa but no but it was fascinating because from one foot to the next it just wasn't raining and it oh, was yeah, just like a sheet of, yeah but well <laughs> yeah but you just never see that like you're never at that point like the exact edge <laughs> of, a th- of a thunderstorm and i was literally like charlie oh, no? brown i'm like i could stick my arm in and it's raining and i could pull my arm out and it's not raining it's like it was trippy. It was so weird. And I'd never seen anything like that since. I'd never been on the edge. I mean, oh yeah, it, it has to have an edge. But you probably think it probably has like a more like feathery, soft edge. Like it's not like right. direct like thunderstorming here and then not thunderstorming one foot. But that's how it was in that particular instance. And it was like mind-blowing. It was so strange. Well, in the Midwest, that happens quite often. where Because the storms are bigger, right? They've yeah. been gathering up for hundreds of miles before they get to you. But yeah, I mean, you can you could feel the... the the cold weather you can actually feel the cold front coming through like the weather is changing right now it's hot on this side of the sidewalk mm-hmm. it's cold on that side of the sidewalk a lot of times particularly in the summertime you see that yeah well have you ever been in a tornado you no. ever been around a tornado you ever seen a tornado no no my really? dad my dad grew up in oklahoma and he saw like debris flying through the air but he was never in the middle of a tornado either even though he spent you didn't see 20, one off 20, the distance 25 years there yeah no, I've never oh had no, which is oh, pretty wow. normal. Seen, well, you've seen a you've seen a bunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, just because we grew up in Nebraska, we've lived in Wichita, Kansas for a number of years. We have family down in Oklahoma, so we we're back and forth Oklahoma quite a bit. We're right in Tornado Alley, so we. It, I, I've seen a number of tornadoes. I mean, there's been many times where we've had a, even with my wife and I, uh, we've had to pull off the road to get out of the way of tornado. <laughs> and then, that's a that's that's a normal thing. Yeah, sirens well, going off, the whole thing. Well, and, and the thing about tornadoes is, I mean, they have to like basically run you over to, like you yeah. see these houses, like one house is destroyed, the one right next to it's not destroyed. So yeah. you could, I mean, it seems like it's a very narrow path aside from getting picked up and thrown by it. Even then you have to be pretty close, right? So it almost seems like the odds yeah. are pretty low that you get steamrolled oh, by, a, by a tornado, right? Yeah, well, it, when I worked at Beach there, if you remember, if you ever watched the Weather Channel, they always uh, show the Andover tornado. I forget when that was, early 90s, I think. Okay. And I knew people whose houses got destroyed who were in the middle of that uh, in Andover. They had just hmm. uh, the one engineer in particular, uh, Frank. Hey, Frank, if you're listening, uh, he had a he had just built him and his wife had just built a house at Andover, and it was it just it's right next to Wichita, so it's kind of like a suburb of Wichita. And they got caught up in that tornado. So it came across the Air Force Base and headed up their way. And they were in the basement, thank goodness. And it just took the whole top of their house off, gone. The water, wow. you know, it's like a freight train coming. House is gone. Water, you can smell gas. They said the, all the water lines are busted. There's water spraying everywhere. You, they climbed out of the basement and you start, you know, looking for other people, make sure everybody else is okay. But 
I've known people been in tornadoes like that. It's that that's not uncommon in Kansas. Yeah, not that's, uncommon. That's scary. No, there was one tornado that went through Central Illinois when I lived there, and uh, it destroyed a small town. I can't. I, I want to say it was like Washington, Illinois. I, that doesn't sound completely right, but it it completely wiped a small town, Illinois, off the map. But it didn't hit our town. But we were. Everyone was like, it was like a major tornado warning, major winds. Mm. And I was living in a townhouse at the time, so there was no basement. And it was like 70 mile per hour winds or something like crazy, Whoa. like like really, yeah. really crazy winds. And I was like, well, yep. I don't really have anywhere to go to shelter. So I guess I'm just going to like wait here until this house either collapses on me or it doesn't. And like, that wasn't a great feeling. <laughs> like I was, we were all pretty yeah. sure we weren't going to get hit, but we didn't know. And I had no recourse, so yeah. I was like, yeah. "Well, here we are." So let's uh, see what's going to happen. You, 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 you've, you've been in hurricanes, right? I mean, there, there's no. Why do, why do you assume I've been in through all these natural disasters? Well, because you live in Maryland. I've been, I've been, been in a hurricane in in Massachusetts. We had a hurricane come through about 2011, and it dumped a bunch of water. It flooded everything in the area. Uh, wiped out anything near the river. Got wiped out. It flooded people's homes. Destroyed people's homes here. And we're we're in Western Massachusetts. We're not anywhere close to the water, but it came yeah. up the coastline and then and, and banged us. So I've been tornadoes, hurricanes, mm. horrible hailstorms, <laughs> and you haven't been in any of it. Yeah, but I feel like that doesn't count well, as being in a hurricane. I mean, you didn't you weren't like in Miami, like your house. Getting we were blown in the middle away. of a hurricane. Oh no, we had trees down. Yeah, it it, it rained. It was like a well, we we wasn't a level five when it hit us, right? Yeah, it's not you got like, like a tro- you got like a tropical depression or something. Uh, I think they actually you get an ast- you get an asterisk you get an asterisk at best you get an we, asterisk we, there was an I, there were there, there was an eye to that storm I, I I will tell you there was an eye to that storm we we were in the eye came by us we we hit the wall we were in the eye and we hit the other wall as it went by so I we don't buy it <laughs> there you go <laughs> well it is true because I was bailing water <laughs> so okay okay it it de- it definitely happened yeah uh, all right which all right. which Fair which enough. which which brings up the thing that you were bringing up, which is this new uh, typhoon wind turbine thing you're trying to tell me about, which you got to explain that a little bit. Well, so I guess on a lot of these islands, like the Philippines being a notable one. So, there, well, I'll back up. There's a Japanese startup called um, Chal Energy. So, like Challenge plus Energy. Um, and they have this typhoon turbine, which instead of the blades rotating on a, uh, what was it? They're, they're rotating, on the, rotating on the transverse axis instead of the frontal plane exit at frontal plane that's i mean that's like anatomical terminology so but anyway this is like a horizontal <laughs> rotating that's probably not a good way to describe it it is for me but um so these typhoon tur- turbines can withstand like the same it sounds like sustained 90 90 mile per hour gusts or winds and then up to 150 mile per hour gusts so i guess on a small island like the like the philippines a regular wind turbine is just going to get destroyed if a typhoon comes through with its 100 plus mile yeah. per hour winds so yeah. this small startup is trying to harness that wind power because it's, I mean, that's way faster. I mean, a, a wind turbine has to get shut down at 55 miles per hour. So yep. like, hey, we have all this crazy wind, but the regular design won't work. So let's design something that can withstand these these typhoons and harness that mm. crazy amount of energy. So it's an interesting concept. They've been around since 2014. And I think they're just now trying to get some of their prototypes uh, out, actually out there functioning, which is an interesting interesting concept um i mean it makes sense yeah, like that's an underserved market for sure and some of these small islands can probably yeah. be 
I mean, that that's probably a, a noticeable, meaningful amount of energy that they could they could get from just a couple of those on a small island. Oh, yeah. Obviously, being able to handle the worst weather, you have to be able to do that. Wherever wind turbines go, they got to be able to handle the worst weather plus some so you don't yeah. fail. But th- in this particular wind turbine, it's like a vertical wind turbine. And from what I can see, they got a, it's basically a rotating cylinder to create a magnus effect, which then creates quasi lift or force so that the thing spins so it's like three of these rotating cylinders is that how, yeah it looks like it has a fin on it? one side too yeah like there looks like there's a little fin attached to this each cylinder so it's like a flap so it's like a rotating yeah. cylinder mm-hmm. and like a flap on the back side wow okay yeah. wow well hey if they could introduce uh clean energy to places where the weather is extreme great why not right i mean i, I guess it sounds like you know the the, the word on the street where <laughs> what the the world organizations are saying that the weather's going to get more extreme, then we better be prepared for it. Maybe this is a good idea. Let's yeah, we can get we can get some uh, renewable energy from all the volcanoes that'll start cropping up, and <laughs> we need to har- we need to be ready to harvest all the asteroids that hit the planet, and just like all the disasters okay. that we're causing from um, all the greenhouse gases, we could just use them to our advantage. Yeah, right. Put them to work. Right. Yeah, but these are a lot shorter, also than than the regular wind turbines. I mean, they're like they look like they're only maybe 20, 30 feet high, which makes sense because is, these, you know, these islands. Or, yeah, that's what it looked like. It, okay. I saw okay. one so installed it, and it, it didn't look very huh. tall because I guess the winds are pretty severe probably at close to ground level anyway. Sure. So hmm. That's an interesting, interesting technology. I'll have to check it out some more. Yeah, so Chal Energy is the startup behind those and uh, we'll put a link in the description, the show notes for their typhoon turbine which is it's it's interesting so the other thing um we have two more things two more big topics number one uh so the trump administration we talked about this earlier i think like episode one two or three about um some of these tax incentives so what's it it sounds like the trump administration is going to find a way to allow some of these solar and wind projects to keep these tax incentives even if their construction gets behind because that's the big um the big worry right now right Right, right. Everybody's trying to get people to work and whatever. The term you hear in the United States a lot is essential, right? So everybody wants to be defined as essential by the state government typically so they they can continue to work and get projects done. But at some point, these projects are getting slowed down no matter how essential they define themselselves at. And a lot of these uh, tax incentives are going to expire. I, 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 I... I projected a couple of weeks ago that the Trump administration was just going to look the other way and, and let people submit those tax those tax rebates. That's going to happen. I don't see any way they're, they're not going to do that because they've done it for so many other industries right now. It, that's going to be reality. Uh, you just, I think the problem, the problem we're having right now is there's so many things uh, in the queue that it's hard for the yeah. federal government and the state governments to try to keep up and keep pumping out all the things that they got going on. Yeah, that makes oh, that's sense. Crazy, that's crazy. It's just so crazy right now. Well, and it sounds like things are going to get back to work pretty quick. I don't know. Elon Musk is now suing uh, Alameda County, California, to allow oh, his fact to allow his factory to get back to work. Yeah, because oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, and it's it, it's interesting timing. Well, it's it's coincidental timing for me because I listened to his podcast today while I was out uh, wandering around getting some some sunlight. And he he and Joe Rogan talked for probably about a half hour about the the lockdown oh, and all I that didn't. stuff okay. and uh, yeah and he's pretty unhappy about it he's 
you know, I think everyone it's an it's an it's a silly rabbit hole to go down when you start comparing it to like auto accident deaths and like all these other types of deaths <laughs> because auto accidents are not contagious, right? Um, right. We get that, but you know, it, he says, and I'm I'm starting to to sway to this side, which is that things are probably not as bad as we thought they would be, and that's probably in part because we did a good job social distancing, right? So we like it worked mm. essentially, but but now. As I like, I was having conversations with my my parents today because my sister's uh, having her second child either today or tomorrow. Oh my gosh! And, well, it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for her. I'm excited for for the for the family to see my my little niece. Um, but and, and with that, you know, is like she wants us kind of quarantined so we can come and see them. They're nervous about picking something up from the hospital, so like yeah. my parents can't like they're gonna watch the my 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 nephew. Um, but then they they have to like kind of scoot out of there right as my sister and brother-in-law get home so that they don't give the, my parents anything from the hospital. Yeah. That's kind of our, our like worry at the moment. And so then, but then it's like, all right, our, my sister wants us quarantined and we're, you know, just cause obviously two new, you know, parents with a, a second new, new child, it's a really stressful time. No one's sleeping, all that stuff <laughs> and understandable. But then you're like, all right, well, life is starting to get a little bit more back to normal. Like my mom said, she's, bit. she's going to a dentist appointment, um, you know, yep. in a week, in a week or so. And, and she's like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I feel fine about it. I mean, what are the odds that the three people you come in contact with getting your teeth cleaned who are going to have masks on who are going to be doing a good job with sanitation yeah they're going to be sterilized like what are the odds that those three people have it very very slim you know it's still the big high risk like you know big group of people going grocery shopping three times a week that kind of stuff (laughs) um and so yeah and even that i i feel i I feel less 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 nervous about it yeah so i and and musk obviously has that same uh, point of view he thinks it's it's overblown at this point and he just wants to be able to get back to work and put in measures in place and let people choose more for themselves which i think is somewhat reasonable i think people have done a good job but but so anyway I, I yeah we, i mean yeah. Wh- where do you think it's going to go to this point i mean is it going to be quick is it going to be slow oh we had some meetings this week with local businesses and just trying to figure out locally what was going on and where yeah. we're all headed I I don't know, like I'm on our local chamber of commerce, which is a very valuable resource because they're working their tails off to, to get information to everybody. But I, I think there's two pieces of this. The engineering part of me, which is uh, there's a lot of information coming out now about different kinds of diseases and viruses we've had over time that seem to expire on their own. And the, the, the thing about that is that we don't know why they've done that. Why have they gone away over time? Why have MERS and SARS and bird flu and all these other things uh, in a similar fashion where they've had yeah. pandemics and we've been very concerned about them just seem to fade away? We don't have any data on it. Isn't that, I think that's ex- extremely odd. So in this particular case, we've gone to the other extreme, which is to shut everything down and try to uh, you know figure out what's happening before everybody gets exposed. Uh, and now we have an understanding of you know what parts of society are particularly vulnerable, and then we're like with your parents and my parents, same thing. Everybody's being particularly careful. And I think that makes sense. So I don't necessarily agree with Elon on you know screw it, let's just go back to work. I think we've got to be smart about it. 
but mm-hmm. I do I do think things are going to start opening pretty quickly here, at least in the United States, because I, we have somewhat of a handle on it, and, and this, we're getting more and more statistics. The like I said, the engineering in me is sticking out. Show me some data. Let's see data. Let's get some data. And there hasn't been a lot of data, but the data I've seen seems positive. So. Hopefully we get moving again. And we got to get moving. Your sister's got to have this baby. Like things happen. <laughs> Life does not stop, right? She's going to have this baby. Your parents are going to see the baby. All that stuff's going to happen. We just got to do it smart, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like with, you know, like with my parents, we were talking because they're going to be just down, the, you know, they're 30 minutes away. So I said, hey, I haven't seen you guys in over two months. Like after the baby's born, do you just want to stop by here? We'll have lunch. And they're like, do you feel like this is a good time? I'm like, we've been quarant- like very like disciplined and quarantined like everyone has for a while now. It's yeah. not going to be more safe in two months when everyone's running around and doing normal stuff again. It's like, this is this as safe as it's going to be at the moment, it seems like. Like, yes. I don't have any reservations about, yeah, about having lunch with my parents, even though, you know, my, no. my dad's a little more elderly than my mom, but... Um, it's just, uh, it's like now, if, if now is not safe, then it never is safe, essentially. And like, so, it's like, yeah, yeah let's really. just... Just do it, yeah. Be smart, right? Yeah. I yeah. Agree. So, I mean, we're not going to go to the movies together. We're not going to go, you know, um, to a concert. So, should be yep. fine. Uh, let's just get that out there. Movies are essentially, movie theaters are probably dead. It's a, yeah, it's a, there's a bunch of businesses like that. And I think the events are going to be slow. Obviously, movies, you're right. I think that's going to be a really- I don't know. Really if hurt, Halen, hurt industry. If, if the Rolling Stones have a tour, weren't the Rolling Stones supposed to have a tour this summer? If the Rolling Stones hold a tour, that arena will be full. <laughs> so they'll have to limit it. But I don't see any way that people are not going to concerts. Uh, do you? I, I don't see it. I think everybody's going to go well, to the concerts. First of, all, first of all, we need to talk about your pronunciation of the word tour because this, tour. Is, fa- this is fascinating. This we is just, America. <laughs> well, you just said tour. <laughs> And I have to bring this up because when I lived in Illinois for 10 years, every, I say tournament, which is e- the East Coast way of saying it, whatever. Everyone out there says tournament, which is a much more easy way to say it. Like tournament flows out of your mouth a lot better than tournament that you kind of have to chew through. But there's but a U in there. All right. There is. But I said, everyone, so everyone made fun of me for years saying tournament, where they all say tournament. And I'm like, how do you say the PGA tour? They say, oh, tour. I'm like, well, then, well, that's the root word of tournament. And they're like, okay, fine, Dan. And you just said tur, which is actually, I appreciate that it's consistent with, with the way that you say like turbine. Like you say. It's what, it's what it's spelled. <laughs> wait, you say turb. No, you say turbine. I say turbine. But you said you were consistent with tur versus. Uh, anyway. yeah. I think well, I think, re- it, I think regional dialect is fascinating. It's just, uh, it's interesting. Just the different pronunciation. Like I say, wa- I, I don't say, I say orange or I say orange instead of orange. My mom says Warsh. She's from Baltimore. Oh, it's just, it's, no. It's, people in Illinois say milk, say milk, M-E-L-K instead of milk. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you a Maryland question because this came up to the day. Okay. Harve de, Gra- Harve de Grasse. That's oh, a town. That's actually near my ha- near where I grew up. Havity Grace. Yeah. Havity Grace. Is that the French pronunciation of that, of that town name or is that the Americanized French version of that town name? Couldn't, I don't couldn't think tell you. Couldn't tell you. Okay. Because the first time I... It, it's clearly a French town name, right? It clearly is. Yeah. Pro, sound, yeah it sounds <laughs> that way. Yeah. It's it's yeah. awkward to look at it and then, yeah, have it, Grace. 
Well, it's like in Wichita, Kansas, where the Arkansas River runs through the center of Wichita, but the Arkansas River turns into the Arkansas River when it gets in Arkansas. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's nonsense. Nonsensical. Get out well, of here with that. Hey, that's welcome to America, right? Well, yeah. the other weird thing about Illinois is there's a ton of little towns. So when I lived there, I lived in Central Illinois in Bloomington, and south there's charleston illinois atlanta illinois there's a bunch of yeah. other ones and everyone yeah. references these towns and i'm like oh you went to charleston for the weekend like south carolina is beautiful They're like no idiot it <laughs> i went an hour hour south <laughs> to this crappy small town i'm like oh oh yeah. and I, that like kept happening for so many years i like never got i never got used to it charleston atlanta like they have all these big big city names in very small towns in illinois so anyway, oh, I, I, that's, dig, that's I digress. Hard. So our last yeah. topic today, we want to talk about the uh, Tokyo Sky Tree. So, yep. Alan, what is the Tokyo Sky Tree? So the Tokyo Sky Tree is this big uh, radar, not radar tower, 600, radio tower, six hundred thirty-four meters high. That thing is intense. It's huge. Yeah. Right. Um, it's so big that it changes the electrical activity in the sky around it. Uh, there's a there's a they have instrumented that tower a number of years ago and there's been a set of researchers that have uh, monitored the tower for lightning strikes and they get struck by lightning quite often but uh, the latest paper I saw which was this past week pop out and I haven't read it in depth so don't go too deep on this on me but essentially it goes like this they know how often lightning strikes in the area before they put the tower up and they know how often lightning strikes in that area once the tower went up. So there's a there's a delta that happened there. And you would say, well, the delta occurs because there's more lightning strikes happening to the tower itself. But that's not the case. It's actually a, causing more lightning strikes around the tower. It's not to the tower. So the lightning flash density, uh, which in, in like in Florida, the lightning flash density is really high. So it's like how many, how many lightning flashes happen in this square mile or this yeah. area? So in that area of Tokyo, the f lightning flash density has increased because the tower is there, which tells you something weird is going on where the tower itself is actually changing the electroactivity in the sky. Uh, very similar. To, I, I think I showed you that video from the, the sort of the video photographer in the Midwest uh, where they had the lightning strike occur and he's at a wind turbine farm and all of a sudden all these lightning strikes appear on these wind turbines. It's like simultaneous, like yeah. one mm -hmm. electrical activity, chain reaction to another set of electrical activity. I wonder if that's the case with this tower where the tower is putting the energy up into the sky and changing the electroactivity and causing the lightning strikes to happen in other places. It's it's a chaos. Thunderstorms are very chaotic and the charge in them is not well understood. It would surprise me that the tower is actually changing the, the way lightning strikes in the area. That's that is amazing. It's sort of it, it's confusing and a little bit scary, yeah, it's, yeah, but it's, it's still weird. cool, right? Isn't that weird? Like you 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 you've got a business like three blocks over in this in a high rise apartment. And you're getting walloped from lightning strikes because that tower three blocks away is there. That's odd. <laughs> I would. I don't think anybody would necessarily predict that. And that's what the paper was trying to get to. Like that's data we haven't seen before. So, what was the primary purpose that they built the uh, the Sky Tree Tower for? Is it? It's is radio. It most, it's radio. Yeah, it's communication tower. Yeah. yeah. But they have like a restaurant yeah. up top, and they have some. I mean, it's yeah. like a cool like little destination. But why do they need such a big tower just for radio? 
Well, because it's line of sight. You, you got to be looking down and everything. So the higher you go, the more distance you can cover until you basically get to the curvature of the Earth. And even then, it, you can transmit further. So in, in most radio towers, like in any radio tower, you see the antennas are way up at the top because they're sort of looking down on you all the mm -hmm. time. So as far, as far as you can visually see, like if you were to climb up the tower and look out as far as you can see, it's kind of how far the radio waves will travel to. So you want to get them up as high as you possibly can. But the problem, obviously, in Japan and Tokyo is earthquakes, right? Yeah. So as you build these big, huge towers, you got to deal with <laughs> the fact that they're going to get shake, rattle, and rolled, and can you keep them up? Keep can you keep them up and not have things fall down and hit people? Yeah. So the design is really fascinating. Um, so they they designed it off of the uh, the the pagodas, which you know are those uh, the square, really cool buildings that they built up in the hills. That you know, it's like a traditional building. Um, and within the center of those pagodas, especially when they stack them up, is this flexible column called a shimushira. And so they, the, basically the architect, and there's a really interesting uh, YouTube video about this, the architect, you know, showing you into the center column of this, of the sky tree. So the, the sent this concrete center column, uh, is sitting on these rubber discs, number one, so that it has a little bit of like a, a, you know, vibration dampening at the bottom, but then it also has these oil dampening arms. These just like basically like big hydraulic, uh, hydraulic arms. Well, that's what they are. And then, so the, the, the center column is connected to this outer wall so if you just imagine imagine a you know a big a big tube that this column is within but not actually touching the edges and so it's connected to that outer tube with uh, these oil dampening arms so when the um if there's an earthquake as the center column moves one way or the other it'll be dampened by these oil dampers and then sort of counteract the sway of the entire building one direction or for the other so it's it's really interesting technology just to see how they can uh, build that tall and keep it safe from collapsing. So that whole thing's like built on oil dampers. It's just sitting in fluid, essentially. Is that is that the thought process there? It's just sitting in fluid, just sitting there. The fluid lets a translation happen between the earth and the building, right? Is that kind of what they're doing? Yeah, so it's sitting on rubber discs, but then, again, that the, center, the center fluid. column is within a... A cylinder, and then these these uh, hydraulic arms are connecting mm. the column to the the outer cylinder of it. Wow! And that's, that's all cool. within the center of the building. Yeah, it's it's wow. it's pretty cool. So I guess that's the only way they could have, uh, or maybe not the only solution, but that was their solution. And it seems pretty elegant and pretty. Uh, and it's cool that it's kind of like tied into their 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 cultural history as well. So yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing I wanted to wanted to mention, which we were talking a little bit about batteries. So you said there was maybe an, ad yeah. an advance on battery, um, maybe yeah, giving us some, some storage for uh, turbine energy. Well, there there there's a paper that came out recently uh, by a Clean Energy Consortium that looked at. No, I think it may have been Epri. Actually, it may have been. No, no, no. It was Ep no Epri was another different thing, and we should talk about the Epri thing on another day because it had to do with blade recycling. But in this particular case, it had to do with batteries and that the cost, the energy storage cost of batteries was approaching that of running a gas turbine. And I, I needed to delve, dive into it a little bit deeper, but that sounded interesting that you could actually have mass storage, battery storage capability that was as efficient or inefficient as the case may be, uh, as running a gas turbine. So if, if you're storing up energy, excess energy from a from whatever source, from wind turbines, from solar, uh, and when you don't really need it and then use it, obviously you store it in batteries. And then when you have P 
peak demand, you're just going to dump those batteries onto the power grid, and and then away you go. It was surprising to me that the that the the gas turbine and uh, battery storage were getting close to one another in if in cost. Boy, mm-hmm. if that if that if that threshold ever happens, the world will change overnight. Uh, that's huge because we've been trying to get to that point forever. Uh, that that obviously makes wind turbines and solar solar energy uh, situations much more beneficial. Well, and so is it a major breakthrough in like the technology of the battery itself? Because you said lithium ion's been kind of you know stable as like the front runner for a long yeah. time. Yeah, is it? It was, there were two different battery technologies. Lithium was one of them. Uh, there was another one in there that I'm not as familiar with, but uh, I, I think. Obviously, as we build more of these things and we start building a lot of electric vehicles and Tesla's building these these uh, batteries for the go on the wall of your house, uh, it's going to drive the cost down. So maybe the Gigafactory, the Elon Musk uh, Gigafactory is coming into play because as you produce more, it drives the cost down. You got a manufacturing base all set up. It just drives the cost down further. Yeah. Maybe you can crash that threshold. Maybe we're getting close. Yeah, it could be there. I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Speaking of speaking of Tesla, as we wrap up here, he was mentioning on his podcast, uh, their new Roadster is going to go zero to sixty in one point nine seconds. Like, is that even real? No. Yeah. No. One you know what it does to your insides 9. when you do that? Because you know, have you been in a car? Have you ever been in a car that's like accelerated at anywhere near those speeds? Uh, no. It hurts. No. You can feel it. You can feel it. Your, your internal organs are getting shifted around <laughs> when that's going on like why is oh, my, my liver hurt yeah <laughs> yeah why why is that something you look for like why would i want to take my stomach and shove it through my spine i i think let's let's just it's okay if i have a five seconds zero to 60 it's totally cool with me <laughs> well in five seconds is pretty fast too i mean that's that's it not, is that's We're, not slow yeah 1.9 no, is not. insane 1.9 is insane but you know batteries have infinite torque uh, not batteries but uh, electric motors have infinite torque when you kick them on so yeah you can uh, a, a motor gets up to electric motor gets up to speed very quickly now you have to bump it, you have to pound it with a bunch of current to do that but man alive that's that's uh <laughs> did he guarantee that is this one of those elon musk things like you know i don't know he said buy... he said he said on the podcast whether it's true or not i don't know but uh, I, don't, I don't think you just okay. blow smoke about it he said there's a that was the base model and that there was a, the higher models would be faster than that so well didn't he didn't he he just had it well i'll put this in perspective he just had a child him and his wife i think right maybe, maybe what i don't know yeah yeah right but the child's name was like a bunch of symbols <laughs> yeah did you see that i did okay i, I rolled my eyes uh, okay. at it yeah okay so the 1.9 kind of falls into the, the child being named a bunch of symbols i'm not sure how that all plays out right maybe it's just, maybe he's getting overworked there's a lot of stress i'm sure that there is right now he's fighting with alameda who knows all right well, we're going to wrap up today's episode of uptime if you're new to the show welcome if you're a regular here thank you for your continued support Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out the WeatherGuard Lightning Tech YouTube channel for video episodes, full interviews, and short clips from each show. For Alan and all of us at WeatherGuard, stay safe and we'll see you next week. It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. 
This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help. Reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.